Hey everybody, welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. On today's show, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, and myself will break down the decision of Andrew Nimhard to return to school. We'll talk about Kerry Blackshear Jr.'s decision to withdraw his name from the NBA draft and kind of break down his choice between uh, Kentucky, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M, and Florida for you. We'll talk about the Gators' schedule, which has been released, uh, although we don't have SEC dates yet. And we'll field a listener question via voice message from Brian DeYoung, who we uh, really appreciate uh, sending it in. And um, you're going to hear that question right after the break. And we're going to listen. We're going to answer it uh, in the first segment. So thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the show. Hey, guys, I really enjoy your uh, podcast and it's uh, good information. I wonder if you could do something more in depth about the difference between Andrew Nemhart and Trey Mann and their respective games. Um, at times, I was pretty frustrated with Andrew Nemhart, but that was partially too because the offense seemed pretty stagnant at times. And just, you know, looking at those two objectively, uh, what are strengths and weaknesses? What, uh, which one of those projects to be a a better player long-term. Uh, that'd be really interesting to hear something. You guys do some really good analysis, and uh, I'd like to hear you talk about that. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. Uh, we took our two-week sleeping break in May. I guess we were gone almost two weeks. We are back. I'm Neil Blackman. I'm with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Uh, Eric has still maintained his uh, busy writing schedule, but... Um, this is our first show. We wanted to wait until after deadline day. Deadline day has passed. Andrew Nimhard returning to school to play point guard next year. Your reaction to his decision. Uh, yeah. And welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I mean, I was one of the people that I, like, I think there's so many people who just thought there was like zero chance Andrew Nimhart was going to leave. And I just was definitely not in that camp. There was still part of me that thought, um, Hey, he might leave. And, and I think just so often people, look at mock drafts and they say, well, this person isn't um, projected to get drafted or they're not projected to be a first round pick. So yeah, they're coming back 100%. And it's just, it's just not that simple. And, um, and history has shown that that's just really not the case. If a player um, wants to play pro, he'll, he'll do it. So I, I did think there was a chance that the Nemhar would say like, Hey, I, I just want to go, you know, go do something else and, and play professional basketball. So um, yeah, I wasn't 100% certain he was, he was coming back. And, uh, but obviously I'm, I'm very happy he is as everyone else would be as well. Like, and, uh, something we kind of just discussed, even going back to when we were talking about kind of like who is Florida's most valuable player last year. Um, I, you know, I think it, we both kind of settled on Hayes, uh, but that, I, I still think that Nemhart would be the most valuable returning player, of course. And I think he's, uh, you know, even some people would probably say, you know, maybe Scotty Lewis would be the most valuable player kind of looking at next year's roster. Um, I would still say it's Andrew Nebhart. So um, the difference between getting your most important player back um, or losing him is massive. So, uh, yeah, having him back, especially at a position like point guard, uh, that that's huge. Yeah, I mean, look, I think um, it's important to kind of frame it that way. There were over 80 players that stayed in the draft. That's well more uh, players than slots <laughs> for, for, for draft picks. Um, some of the big news, we're going to kind of talk about that before we dive into Nimhard or, or we're going to talk about that later in the show. And we want to dive into Nimhard more now, but I mean, guys like Isaiah Roby, Jalen Leck, uh, 
Brandon Randolph. <laughs> I mean, there are like some surprising people that stayed in. Brandon Randolph is a really good example, uh, the, the Arizona player, because he's somebody that's not in the ESPN top 100 that stayed in. So it's totally possible that that players do that based on some of the things we talked about in the last show where they get good feedback from an individual workout or maybe they just want to play in the G League and take their chances. They don't like school. I don't ever think it was about that with Andrew, uh, Eric. I, I think that, you know, to some extent, maybe he may have a little different evaluation of his own game than, than uh, you know, the staff does or maybe that some outsiders do. But, you know, obviously it's a big decision for Florida, isn't it? Yeah, it really is huge. I, I think just uh, how important he is to what, to what Florida is doing. Um, you know, obviously Nemhart was a freshman last year and played well, but I think that if Nemhart were to leave and Florida only had freshman point guards again, um, that, that could be an issue. I mean, I, I really like the point guards that we have coming in um, to, uh, behind Nemhart, but still, I, I don't know how much you want to you know, gamble on that. So, and, and Nemhart has just such a maturity to his game, and he plays, he already seemed to play like an upperclassman as a, um, as a freshman, so so yeah, I just think um, getting get, you know getting that getting your point guard back is a bit like getting your quarterback back. So uh, just uh, as important of a player as uh, Florida has, I think. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to see what he what he kind of brings to his game next. Uh, just because you know, I'm sure that what he's getting back was he needs to be a little quicker, a little stronger, a little more athletic, and uh, you know, be able to create a little bit more offense for himself. And uh, coming off a Coming off a fresh freshman season, I'm sure he'll have the chance to do that and, and get uh, get better at all those things. So I'm just really excited to to see how he develops and, and what's next for him. So our little insider, you know, um, knowledge that we sometimes get to drop. I did text a staff member last night, just saying, "Congrats, big day for you guys." Really cool about Andrew, and the response I got was huge for us from a leadership standpoint. Yeah, that is a really good point. Just because he was kind of one of the only kind of vocal leaders for sure, just to see him kind of uh, on the floor. And, and this is a team that's kind of lacked some of those vocal leaders, and um, especially kind of in the upperclassmen recently. So, uh, and Nemhard just kind of commands that respect. And I think that especially seeing uh, seeing how well he played last year, he's going to have a lot of respect. I think he's going to have a lot of respect from the guys coming in. Obviously, the guys returning, and yeah, uh, leadership. There has been a bit of a void, I think. So. Uh, yeah, that's great that you, uh, that, yeah, the staff never pointed that out. And that's great that you shared that. Cause, um, yeah, that's probably as important as, has his incredible vision and ability to, uh, to kind of read defenses. Yeah. And I thought it, it is, it's an interesting point given like there's this narrative around Scotty Lewis. And I think it's, it's an accurate narrative, uh, for the most part that he's just going to come in and that, that he's that kind of leader, but it's still, there's a thin line to walk. You're 18, you're away from home for the first time. And no matter how talented you are and how charismatic you are, uh, you still can meet some resistance when you walk into a locker and you've never been in and a culture you've never been a part of and say, all right, everybody follow me. <laughs> you know, like it, it doesn't always work that way. And I'm not saying that's, that, that none of that means that Scotty's going to be a problem, right? It just means that it's good to have other leaders that have been there and have gone through those battles in the SEC that have played on the road at, at Thompson bowling arena. Yeah. I mean, Scotty Lewis is also a very smart kid. So there's a chance he doesn't, you know, he knows like, Hey, I haven't played a game in, in orange and blue yet. Absolutely. So I'm not going to walk in and suddenly start, uh, you, you know, he's, he, he might have that element of like, you know, I'm going to kind of kind of prove myself and get my, get my feet wet before I, you know, really establish. But I, I mean, what, what really is important too, is that, 
uh, I, I do think you need multiple leaders on a basketball team and you need different leaders. And I do think that um, just kind of the personality differences between Lewis and Nembhard are awesome. And it's going to make for two awesome leaders. So uh, yeah, very excited for that. Yeah. So um, that kind of leaves Florida right now with, with uh, starting five that, um, well, let's just do them. Uh, I'm going to, I'll go, I'll go first. So right now I would have, uh, obviously Nimhart is the starting point guard. I'm sticking with the Noah Locke at the start, starter at the two. going to say Scotty Lewis starts the three, Keontae Johnson the four. And we're still rolling with, with at least on my end, I'm still, I'm still rolling with uh, Dante Bassett slash Gorjak Gak at the five. And my caveat there is that, you know, I don't think that there's any necessary guarantee that Gorjak Gak's ever playing basketball for Florida again, but <laughs> if he's healthy, as everyone said, I think he's actually the starter. Yeah, I think that I, uh, before I, I went and did an article about who I thought was going to be the starter um, a couple of weeks ago. And before I wrote it, and, and I mean, I said this on the podcast, is I thought it would be Bassett just as a player who obviously played minutes last year, Gak didn't, and then Bassett did. <laughs> right. So. And the other thing, too, is uh, what I really respect about Bassett is, I mean, he's gotten better every single year. So I thought, hey, he's probably going to take another bit of a step and uh, maybe he'll start. But uh, but yeah, as I kind of looked at the numbers um, for, and obviously I was looking at, you know, two seasons ago, Gak. Um, but I actually kind of switched my opinion and, and thought that I that Gak would be the starter. Uh, I just think he brings more in the defensive end. And I think that um, I think that it is who's going to defend and rebound the best is going to. Uh, is going to be the starter. And I think Bassett's probably would offer a slight bit more offensively. Uh, not that he's an ex- excellent offensive player. So, um, but yeah, so I, I think it's Gak, uh, but uh, it, it could certainly be Bassett. Um, I think that it could be um, a mix of both for sure. Cause they do bring some different things and, and, and white has not been, um, he hasn't been scared to kind of try out, uh, try out different uh, starting lineups. So, so I'll, I'll go Gak, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, uh, going to argue a Bassett choice. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's, uh, you know, like I said, I'm still sticking. I'm sticking with Gak, although, you know, to be determined about him playing for for the Florida game. Right, right, and I mean that <laughs> is, going back to kind of just you know what we've heard is that that he is healthy, and and what we've been told is that he's healthy, um, and has been healthy for a while. I mean, um, just kind of t- talking right. to some of the people, I was curious about um, it, while while I was writing that article because a lot of the article I was writing was essentially like, you know what, I think Gak actually would be the better starter. If he's healthy, so I was you know, asking some of the sources, say, hey, is he is Gak healthy? And I got kind of like, yeah, like it wasn't even like a, oh, you know what, he's actually like you're, this is surprising, but you know he's actually it was just a straight, very straightforward, like yeah, he was cleared a long time ago. He's he's healthy, he's good. So um, for from everything that we're hearing, we we shouldn't be actually nervous about whether he's healthy or not. But uh, I mean, just history makes it that I think it's impossible not to worry until we uh, we really see him out there. Right, we're all we're all carrying our uh, our battle. So, um, but but yeah, look, Florida gets a ton of efficiency back. They get the bulk of their assists back with Nimhard. Uh, so you know, obviously from an offensive standpoint, that's big. The other thing is, uh, Eric wrote a column and and talked on the podcast about how it's a big deal for Florida from a three point shooting standpoint. So that's just another bonus. Um, but I also think Eric that Nimhard coming back kind of is big for Florida defensively um, just because I think he can be a much more effective player this year on defense when, you know, we're, 
dealing with with a Florida team that has a little more size and length and, and from from wings. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people look at Nembhard and they say like, yeah, he's not super quick and he's not super strong, and and then just people made up their mind about his defensive game before they really saw what he was doing. And uh, there there were definitely some moments where his um, kind of lack of athleticism did kind of shine. Obviously, you know, there's a couple, uh, you know, once Florida uh, gave up a couple games right at the buzzer because guys could go full court and just burn the guards. Um, Nemhart was the victim of one of those. And um, just, yeah, kind of ch- trying to guard a 94 feet of a, of a quicker guard. Yeah, he's going to get exposed a couple times like that. But, but generally speaking, I thought Nemhart was a good defender and I thought he played well as a help defender, uh, kind of found himself in the right positions a lot of the time. Uh, and, and yeah, so, uh, and that was again, with some kind of athletic limitations that I think will get better as he's a year older and, and gets stronger. So, yeah. And, and then there's also just an element of, of experience. And I think that's a, a reason why a lot of freshmen are not good defenders is because, uh, you need kind of those, uh, you need kind of that experience to be able to, to read what offenses are doing and, and to get used to playing against the, the extremely high caliber of play there is in college basketball and the SEC and, uh, yeah, and I'm not saying I think that Nemhart's going to be a all SEC defender or or anything like that, but I do think he'll be a he'll be a you know average to plus defender, and I think that's important. So uh, I think that this is also a good time to, and I'm putting Eric on the spot because I forgot to put this in the show outline. So everybody, give Eric a break if if he pauses for a second to think about this. Um, <laughs> we have this new feature with Anchor where listeners can actually send us voice message questions and there's no way for me to play the question to Eric when we're, when we're recording and we're recording on what day is it? Thursday, Um, (laughs) Thursday morning. Um, It's the off season, everybody. You got to forgive me for not knowing what day it is. Um, So, but there is a way for me to write down what the, the tenor of the question is, and then I will play it into the podcast. So you all will get to hear the question. But Eric won't. Okay. All right. So the question was just, can you guys please explain some of the distinctions between Trey Mann and Andrew Nimhard as a player? Obviously, they're both five-star talents, both listed as point guards. What makes them different and how can they coexist on the floor together? I thought it was an awesome question. And I'm going to drop it on Eric's lap. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, first of all, um, something that's kind of, uh, I don't know if that was uh, the tone right from the, the, the person asking the question or that was you, Neil, but uh, uh, just about um, uh, them both being point guards. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, and this is, this is kind of a stupid distinction. I think that some people just get far too tied up into arguing who plays what position or not. Um, but I think that Andrew Nemhart really is a point guard. I think Trey Mann is something that in modern basketball we call a ball guard, where he's going to have the ball in his hands a ton, but he's not necessarily – he's not like an initiator that's looking to to get his team into sets. I mean, he's looking to probe and attack. So uh, just kind of starting in the in the roles uh, that that's, that they'll they'll play there is that, you know, I think, do think Andrew Nemhart's looking to get get through the offensive progressions and move the basketball, where, where Trey Mann is going to cross center and – uh, and immediately kind of put pressure on the defense because he can drive by his man. And, uh, and I think he's just that, that kind of scoring threat. So, uh, I mean, the, that, and that's kind of the biggest difference between Nemhart and Trey Mann is that Trey Mann can go and get his own shot. Um, that's not really Andrew Nemhart's best ability. And then Andrew Nemhart has just like otherworldly passing ability and vision that, um, that Trey Mann does not have because I don't think there's another player in college basketball that has the vision of Andrew Nemhart, quite frankly. So, uh, <laughs> so I think that they are just very different players. Um, though they both kind of 
play the same position hypothetically and, and are uh, similar size. Um, you know, Trey Mann's more athletic, play above the rim more. Um, uh, and then, of course, the important question is, can they play next to each other? Uh, I mean, Trey Mann can really shoot the basketball either off the dribble or uh, off the catch. So you can really kind of, you know, play him off. Uh, you, you could run Trey Mann off screens, try to use him as a catch and shoot guy. And then um, going back to another article that I wrote and something that, uh, you know, we talked about on the podcast, uh, the fact that Andrew Nemhart was actually an incredible catch and shoot three pointer, three point shooter, like absolutely like I forget the exact number, but I mean, he was hovering around 45% on catch and shoot threes. And uh, he didn't have the option to do that very often last season because he had the ball in his hands so much. So you can't really catch and shoot when you're the guy with the ball in your hands. So if you get Trey Mann with the ball in his hands, you have Andrew Nemhart play away from the ball and suddenly he can get some of these catch and shoot opportunities. And uh, that'll help the team because he's a really good three point shooter and it, off the catch. And it'll also help his own kind of numbers and everything. So uh, that's something that I think is going to be really good about uh, playing them on the floor together. Yeah, look, I, I think a lot of that is uh, how I would have would have answered the question. And, and Eric really dives into the, the scouting details um, in a lot further detail than I do because he writes about the the NBA draft. But I think Trey Man, it's not an exact comparison because man is bigger. Um, but if you watch Devin Dotson play, you kind of get this idea of the concept of a ball guard. Like man can help his teammates and pass to teammates, but the opportunities that he creates for teammates are usually the result of, of being explosively athletic and kind of beating someone off the dribble. And then he's capable of finding the open player. Right. But Nimhart is somebody with kind of a nuanced passing game um, that has just tremendous vision and he can thread needles and passing lanes and make kinds of passes that a lot of collegiate players, as Eric referenced, can't really make, um, you know, Dotson kind of is in that more Derek Rosey type role, right, Eric, mm. where he's, he's somebody that, you know, profiles more as a secondary ball handler at the next level, I think, um, certainly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if the question is, can they coexist? I mean, I think absolutely they can, they can coexist. I, I do. All, the other thing is I don't want people to think I'm comparing man to Dotson because I've noted one, he's bigger and two, I'm not sure he's as good at attacking the rim. I haven't seen that. And three, I actually think he shoots better. Yeah, no, that's accurate. I, and, you know, something I would say maybe Florida Gators specific, um, I, I would say that Andrew Nemhart is a Princeton point guard and Trey Mann is our motion point guard. <laughs> if that would be a, there there's a little bit just a kind of offensively the kind of two things we saw from, some, from Florida last year. Because if they want to play, uh, if they want to go back to the motion offense they tried at the start of last year, Trey Mann would be better suited for that because you need guys that can beat guys off the dribble. Um, but uh, in, in the Princeton offense where you need a few more reads, um, uh, some kind of tighter passing windows, um, it's Andrew Nemhart. So uh, not to say that I think, oh, you know, Trey Mann goes in for uh, for Andrew Nemhart and suddenly they totally switch the offense. But I think that you might see a little bit of that because, you know, maybe Nemhart plays – 30 or 31 or 32 minutes, probably they're going to try to keep his minutes down this year. Um, so yeah, maybe for the nine or 10 minutes, he's off the floor and, and Trey Mann's at the point they, they try to play, they go back to that motion offense a little more. That, that could be something we see. I love the idea of, of that. I mean, that gets me really excited for next season. The idea of, of switching offenses based on various person. I'm sure it excites Mike White too, right? Yes. <laughs> well, he was so limited last year in what he could do that, yeah, having these different, uh, yeah, a little, little more diverse skill sets and, and more guys here for sure. 
Yeah, they really were. And again, for I don't know what time this is. Maybe Eric. I think I I put Eric in charge of counting, but Florida ran a ton of sets last year. <laughs> um, and you know maybe with man to kind of put a bow on this question, Florida can be a little less set reliant. Yeah, when you can get when you have guys that can just again beat their man off the dribble and and uh, create an advantage situation that way, you don't need to run as many sets in, in Florida because they didn't have a lot of kind of individual creators had to be set reliance. So, um, and I think that there's merits to both as, as anyone who listens to the podcast would know, I, I don't think playing slow and, and going through sets. I do not think that's a bad thing as much as many media types will tell you that playing slow is death. Um, that is foolish. Um, playing slow is fine. And you can look at <laughs> college basketball, recent history to tell you that. Um, but it is good to be able to change things up within a game. There's, there's no question. So, anything else happened yesterday that we need to talk about, or we should just move right to schedule? <laughs> well, um, we, we could probably do the, uh, the other update people were waiting for uh, from the uh, withdrawal deadline, and that was, of course, uh, Kerry Blackshear deciding he was, uh, he was going to uh, come back to school, and also in his Instagram post, um, very much hinted that he would also be, uh, be heavily looking at the grad transfer market versus, uh, versus returning to Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think, um, you know, th- look – Virginia Tech in the last week, there has been some rumblings that Mike Young, the new head coach there, at least feels they have a chance. Um, and I think, in, in honesty, that's fair. It seems kind of consistent with some of the things that, that Blackshear has posted about how, you know, of course he loves Blacksburg and has really enjoyed his time there. And I think that, um, you know, he probably feels – like it's worth hearing Mike Young out. The things that kind of work against Virginia Tech are pretty obvious. Um, the roster's scorched, um, and Blackshear would really be overwhelmingly the best player on a team that's that's rebuilding. Yeah, they really lost pretty much everyone, um, whether it be to graduation or the NBA draft. So, I mean, the roster would be so different than uh, than what they were playing with this last year. That so it'd be Blackshear dealing with. Uh, an, an entirely new group of players and a new coach. And it's not like that. Uh, it, it's not like that, you know, that group that's been assembled in, in um, the first year of a new coaching regime. It, it, it's not like he would expect that to be a, an awfully successful team with all due respect to, uh, to Virginia tech. So um, for that reason, I, I mean, uh, I do definitely think Virginia tech would have to have the chance to, uh, to bring him back for sure. Cause I mean, yeah, it is the school he's attended for, for a few years now, but um, from a basketball standpoint, um, I, I don't imagine that being the best fit for him. No, I, and I, I, so that leaves really three locations. And the one we haven't heard as much about is Texas A&M. Um, Buzz Williams is there. The sense that I get, and, and this is one of the places where, you know, I've actually been able to have some conversations. And, you know, Eric, I don't know. Now, I haven't talked to anybody since Savion Flag said he was coming back. Uh and I don't know if that would impact his decision at all, because I think it certainly helps Buzz Williams. But it's also a roster that's kind of in transition, although there's a coach familiarity there that's good. But one thing that I think is important is that Blackshear has gone on the record in multiple places and said the place he wants to play if he comes back to school is a place where he can play in the NCAA tournament, and he knows that he'll get a chance on that stage one more time. And I'm not sure that that's really a position that A&M's in. No, I really don't think so. Uh, and that's not to say I think with 100% certainty they're missing it. Um, but, uh, I, you know, ask any, ask any 
national expert or or even go ask go ask a Texas A&M Raider if they think it's a anything close to a sure thing they'd make the tournament. I, I bet they think they probably wouldn't. And I mean, this is another thing too. Like, I know it seems like people are always talking about like, um, you know, you really want to make the tournament or not. But I mean, if you if they do make the tournament, it's likely they're getting in kind of like at a at a nine or a ten or an eleven seed and um, like Ole Miss, right? Like Ole Miss, and I mean that definitely is great. But I mean, like if you look at a team and say like, hey, the ceiling is probably maybe we make the tournament, but where um, we're going to be a lower seed. Um, uh, yes, that's better than missing the tournament. But uh, yeah, when you're when you're when you're a nine or ten seed, even like Florida was last year, you're you're definitely closer to missing the tournament than you are to being safely in. So uh, I, I think that uh, I think that that sell would be a little tougher for uh, for someone trying to get Blackshear to, to Texas A and M. So sell the listeners on why Kerry Blackshear is going to Kentucky. <laughs> um, you know that uh, the autograph tours they go on after they graduate uh, are, are some instant cash for sure, no question. Um, you know. I, I, like, and people know from the, people know from the, uh, that listen to the podcast, I think you and me are, are actually a lot more respectful of Kentucky as a program and, and John Calipari than uh, they might say we like Kentucky too much. Yeah. I, that's that we would. Yeah. I, you know what? Yeah. People would definitely say that. I, I actually, I actually do have a lot of respect for for Kentucky as a program. And I know that they do a lot of things that just make you hate them. There's no question, but, but I mean, <laughs> um, the, the, the fan base there is incredible. Like that, that's something that I think that does get lost in the fact that, um, in a lot of kind of Florida fans hatred of, of Kentucky is that Kentucky's fan base, it truly is really incredible the way that they support that team. And I think that um, if you're, you know, trying to sell black and say like, Hey, why don't you come and, and play in front of a, a kind of an NBA like crowd um, from day one? Like let's, if you're, if you, you know, we know you want it to be somewhere else this year, but Hey, get that experience here. Um, and I think that uh, I, obviously Blackshear probably uh, it's kind of my opinion that he probably got some not very good feedback from any team he worked out from. Um, I, I wrote about that as well, how he did at the uh, professional basketball combine, the one that he was at. Um, for those of you, you know, probably a lot of you didn't, you know, for those who didn't see that, um, he, uh, he measured fairly poorly athletically, including being slower in the lane agility than Taco Fall was at the NBA combine. So um, there was definitely some athletic things that were pretty concerning. And I think that there is, um, I think that Blackshear right now would probably be maybe a little bit in doubt of, you know, maybe having a, an NBA career or something like that. So if you're Calipari um, and you've, you know, sent more guys to the league than, than anyone else, I think that maybe you, he's got some kind of pull there and can kind of say like, Hey, um, you know, you, you probably got some feedback that doesn't look like you're going to the league. Look at the guys I've sent to the league. I can make this happen. Yeah, there's some there's some reasons you'd go there, even though I do think their roster would be a little crowded. Yeah, so let me add the the last kind of dagger to the hearts of our listeners. I think that the other one would be potentially, and this could cut both ways, right? There are arguments both ways here, Eric. But potentially, he might say, I can make the – it checks the NCAA tournament box for sure. Yes. And also, I don't have to be the dude – I can share minutes. I'm still going to start because I'm going to be the best basketball player. Um, but I can share minutes with, with EJ Montgomery. I can share minutes with Nick Richards. If you played him and Sestina, that could get really fun, actually. Um, and, and you know, he doesn't have to, to go 30, 35 a night like he did in Blacksburg for Buzz. Like, so he sees how the Reed Travis things work. But instead of that working against Kentucky, because Travis didn't have, like, the epic senior year that, that, you know, we saw the like poems written about in the off season. Uh, 
you know, that could work for Blackshear if he just wanted to go somewhere where, where he was a complimentary piece and he could show scouts the next level, say, hey, you put me around NBA talent and look at how I can influence a game. Yeah, it's totally, that's a good point. And I mean, that is something that, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I mean, he got ran into the ground by Virginia Tech just because they did not, like their roster was really weirdly constructed. They didn't have other bigs and it was, yeah, Blackshear played as much as he possibly could. Um, he would, I, I don't know this as a fact, but when I was watching the film, um, I, I think he was probably instructed to not foul at all costs because they needed him to, um, uh, they needed him on the floor. So he just let a lot of, uh, he'd be, content, you know, quote unquote, contesting someone at the rim, but just allowing a wide open layup instead of, you know, maybe trying to block the shot and, and potentially fouling. So yeah, there's some stuff like that. That was, uh, it was just like, Hey, come to Kentucky where um, you don't have to run yourself into the ground. Um, and then, you know, the other thing too is, uh, that I think would be interesting is uh, is the fact that Kentucky has you know Kentucky has guys that are pro guys that are going to go in the draft and if Kerry Blackshear just you know clearly outplays them on the same roster he's got like hey I know that you know this player's younger than me and and whatever but I mean you know look at how I could look at how high dominated in the same system versus this guy and there'd be you know there'd be some elements like that that uh, that that definitely work in Kentucky's favor there's no question so let's talk Florida. Let's talk what, what what does Florida have that to offer, you know, I think that that maybe competes with Kentucky. Well, I mean, I think that obviously the basketball fit in at Florida is still tremendous. They need a starting center, and that's something Kentucky doesn't have is is if you say like, hey, Blackshear, if you come to Florida, you've got a very clearly defined role and you're not fighting for minutes. Um, there's, uh, there's that kind of element as well. And then the Florida does have other bodies, though, so it's not like, hey, this isn't Virginia Tech. I mean, if you – uh, if you get you, if you get in foul trouble or you tweak an ankle or something, we're not going to keep riding you out there. We've got all these other bodies at the center position, and um, I think that hey, Andrew Nemhart's coming back. Andrew Nemhart's the best passer in college basketball. Um, he's going to spoon feed Blackshear so many buckets that his numbers are going to look so good. I honestly, I I, I said this like half jokingly on another podcast, but I, I I honestly think that Florida's coaching staff needs to put together a mix of Andrew Nemhart passing highlights. And show it to Blackshear <laughs> and say, well, see, like, yeah, like, um, is like, hey, you want to inflate your numbers for uh, this season to, you know, make yourself look better as you kind of go into the pro, like play with Andrew Nemhart. Like, um, he's just going to get so many easy baskets. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, and just to be able to to say like those kind of fits, I mean, playing next to athletes like Keontae Johnson and, and Scotty Lewis will make up for some of the athletic limitations that Blackshear has. So I think he'll just be so insulated from a, uh, like like what Florida needs is the stuff that Blackshear does really well and where Blackshear is a little bit, you know, insufficient with his kind of foot speed and, um, and athleticism, he's going to be surrounded by athletes to be able to help him out in the rebounding department and, and kind of guys who can cut off Blackshear's passing, just everything from a basketball standpoint, I really think works in Florida's favor. So I think, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, I also think that, and this is something I brought up on a podcast this morning that, I recorded before I got to talk to you, but you know, look, I, I think it works both ways. I just made, and I understand I just made the other argument, but that's, I guess that's the lawyer in me. Like you need to know both sides. And the other argument is Florida has a bunch of pros. And if, mm. if, if Florida for the first time in a while, right? Like Keontae Johnson is, has as much a shot to be a pro as some of the guys on Kentucky's roster. If we're, if we're being honest about it, Scotty Lewis is a lottery pick. Um, so, you know, Andrew Nimhart is going to play professional basketball somewhere. He's just too good a passer not to do that. I might be 
the all-time European assist leader like Nick Calathes, right? But <laughs> he's going to go somewhere and play professionally. So that, the point being, uh, Trey Mann is going to play in professionally. So, so I think the point there is, you know, Kerry Blackshear can say, look, I went to Florida and I was the difference. So he can still make that same argument to comparable scouts. And some scouts aren't receptive to that at all. All they care about is – you know, how athletic are you and what does that skill set and athleticism translate in the NBA? And they, they, they look at things in a vacuum and they don't gauge performance as much. Others, including I think some of the teams interested in Grant Williams, despite his great combine and measurables, yeah. uh, they, they think that stuff matters, right? So, um, so I think that that's an argument for him. And then there's the creature comforts that it is close to Orlando where he's from. Uh, so it's not a situation like Reed Travis, where Reed Travis was from Minnesota. And, you know, it was Kentucky, a chance to play at Kentucky. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Blackshear has a chance to play at a great program that's an hour and a half from where he lives. And he's got a chance to play with Al Pinkins, who's a guy that's recruited him forever. Yeah, those are great points as well. I mean, I've, I've really tried to stay um, – there. you know, there's been a lot of talks about, about his, you know, family and, and other things that kind of would tie to uh, time closer to Florida – um, I don't know all these things for a certain, so I try to kind of keep yeah, it to the basketball I. standpoint, but it's certainly nice to hear those things. And, and like you said, the Pinkins one, that one hasn't been discussed enough, but, um, well, you know, one other thing I would do if I was Florida too, is, is, I mean, Florida's obviously got a, very, a tremendous strength and conditioning program. Um, Blackshear's, uh, Blackshear did not test well athletically at all at this professional basketball combine. The other thing I would do if I was Florida is I would get Preston green or, or someone in the strength and conditioning staff to put together a plan for for Blackshear so that when Blackshear comes on his visit and you, you put it in front of him and say like, Hey, this is the plan we have for you. Um, when you go to a combine next summer, um, you're not putting up the worst lane agility in any of the combines because we're going to work on you with this, this, and this. And, um, and you're not going to be um, exposed in the vertical leap like this. And you're um, another thing too, is after, um, after Kerry Blackshear did the, uh, uh, after he did really poorly in the um, in the lane agility testing, he uh, made the profession he made the uh, the business decision to not take part in the shuttle run, um, probably seeing that he would get exposed in that. So um, right, uh, just another thing that's just like, hey, um, we know you didn't do well at this. Um, we're going to make sure you do you, you get things like like the other thing too about Blackshear, like he's such a good basketball player. Um, uh, th- some of these things don't, you know, like, like some people, like I wrote this article about how he did so poorly at this professional basketball combine. And then a bunch of people said, um, Eric, I thought you said that like Blackshear was, was good. Like you really like his game. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I love his game. <laughs> like, like these things are <laughs> like, he's still a, just a tremendous basketball player. But uh, just when it comes to these, um, these measurables for the program, I mean, it, it matters in the draft. So, so I'm not too concerned about him from a basketball standpoint. So I, I think you can kind of say like, Hey, you can, you know, we're, we, we don't think we, you need to be in the gym putting up thousands of shots. You can be working on these things like, like your lane agility and, and, and things that you're going to test. So, so yeah, that would be my, uh, there's, there's my pitch. I would put together Andrew Nemhart passing highlights and I would put together a strength and conditioning program for, for Blackshear that he could look at and we're, and then say like, Hey, and Mike White can look him in the eye and Preston Green can look him in the eye and we say like, hey, you, we know you didn't do very well testing. You, we knew you, that you struggled doing these agility testing when you worked out for teams. Uh, that's not happening next summer if you come to Florida. Yeah, and I think all that stuff is, you know, those are, those are things that, that Florida certainly has. And, and the other thing that Florida has is, is, as you said, the basketball fit is tremendous because there's just not a huge roster disparity. And now I know Kentucky BBN would rip me apart for that, right? They'd say – their argument would be, 
I don't know how many people on Florida's rosters would be takes for us or something like that. And, you know, th- those things are fine and, and dandy to, to argue and debate about. But I think the reality is that, you know, if, if Kerry Blackshear goes to Florida and you go one through five starter versus starter, it's probably three to two at best for Kentucky. You know, so I'm saying I think if you compare the two rosters just from a performance standpoint, um, you know, he has a chance to accomplish the same things at Florida as he would at Kentucky. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I even look at it. I, I think it's I th- like I, I think about like Noah Locke <laughs> and I say that Noah Locke is not the most important Gator um, with all due respect to him. I love his game. Um, he would be so useful on Kentucky's roster. And like, yeah, they need that. Like, so, so I see some, so like, yeah. So maybe when you look kind of player by player, you say like, you know, maybe Noah Locke doesn't get the, uh, doesn't get the nod at shooting guard, but it's also like, man, he is like a very, very, very important fourth or fifth starter to have because of his shooting. Um, so you look at that and you say like, Hey, well, like you look at Tr- like Trey Mann is going to probably come off the bench for, for Florida. As I, I, I agree with you, I think Locke starts and, and man is the sixth man. Um, I mean, Trey Mann is the kind of player that he, you, you look at, you, know, you look at his star ranking where he's rated. I mean, those are the guys that come and start for Kentucky. So he's going to come off the bench for Florida. Um, you look at obviously Andrew Nemhart's a five-star coming back for his second season. Um, and you look at, uh, you know, Keontae Johnson been as good or bet probably better an athlete than a bunch of the athletes at, at Kentucky. So yeah, I, I don't even, I don't, yeah, I, and if Blackshear comes to Florida, I think the roster is just clearly, clearly, clearly better. So um, yeah, there's that's just another basketball thing that I think that uh, that can go in uh, can go in Florida's favor. Well, to be fair, there were some people that had debates about this, like Matt Jones, Kentucky Sports Radio, and Kyle Tucker were were arguing about it uh, on Twitter last week. Like, whose roster would oh. be better? <laughs> and I think Kyle Tucker's conclusion was, "Oh, it's easily Kentucky. They have experience. They have all these pros." And Matt Jones was like, "Well, you know, yeah. The thing about that argument is, you frame it a certain way. You say, well." Kentucky wanted Keldon Johnson and not Keontae, right? Both were O'Call players. But if you look at analytics, Keontae Johnson was a better basketball player last year. Yeah, I was going to say I do think he's better. <laughs> and, I, and I like, and that was even something like, again, I, don't, I really don't claim to be a recruiting expert. Um, I, I just don't put in the time, truthfully. Um, but, uh, uh, but when I watch, when I watch their games, every, and I think, you know, I probably watch five of their games, and so that's not a massive sample size. I will, you know, that's my caveat. But every game I watched, uh, Keontae was better, and it wasn't close. And I, and I do think Keldon Johnson's a, a good player. I just really think um, Keontae I, – I do think Keontae's a much better player than, than Keldon, right now at least. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's, you look at a lot of those things, and, um, yeah, I just uh, – I, 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 I think the argument is there for sure. Um, I think someone's even – someone's saying that it's easily Kentucky. Um, I do think that is laughable, truthfully. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, I, I think uh, it's just interesting how these things kind of get framed, but I think the larger point to, to glean from this conversation we're having is that there's just not a lot of difference. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, in a world where Kerry Blackshear goes to Florida and it's an obvious need that the Gators have, whereas it's not an obvious need to Kentucky. So, you know, I think that Florida can make the argument that, hey, the basketball fits better. And, you know, why not play close to home? Um, because whatever other stuff is floating around the message board sphere, we do know that he's from Orlando. And we do know that Al Pinkins has recruited him forever. Yeah, that's a great – that is a good point about, about Pinkins. I think it's been lost in more some of the maybe more dramatic um, uh, rumors about why he would want to come to Florida. But uh, um, 
Yeah, I, I think the way what you said too just made the most sense of like, hey, even if the roster talent of Kentucky and Florida is similar, I don't think anyone would argue that the basketball fit is is like I do think everyone would say the basketball fit is better at Florida just because of uh, the roster constructed. I mean, Cal Perry has no would have no problem playing Cena next to Blackshear and going big and whatever. But it's like, hey, Blackshear, you you are an excellent post up player. Do you want shooters around you or do you not want shooters around you? Like that's a lot of what it like would come down to. It's like, hey, would you rather have a bunch of run and jump rebounders sitting at the seeing sitting on the perimeter while you post up, or do you want um, do you want you know Trey Mann and, and Noah Locke and um, as I've <laughs> noted, forty five percent catch and shoot three pointer Andrew Nemhart on the perimeter. So you know, yeah. I, I, do, I I do think that uh, uh, I think that yeah, I, I do think the fits much better. So we're gonna go to schedule. Schedule's out. Um, the Gators. I spent some time like going back and forth yesterday. Like, is it harder than last year where it was really brutal or is it better? And I'm going to get Eric to kind of give me the quick take, hot take react to my reaction, <laughs> which is uh, probably Eric saying, no, you're wrong. Um, I think it's a better schedule for Florida. And I think this for two reasons. One, I love that they get Georgia twice in a world where Nick Claxton is gone. And I think Tom Crean's team will be young and, and fun, but not nearly as good as I thought they were going to be. Um, and I love that they get Ole Miss twice, even though Brian Tyree is coming back. I kind of like the, the avoiding two teams twice, Tennessee and Auburn, makes me pretty happy. And the fact that Auburn is a home game makes me very happy. For those that don't know, Florida will play Georgia twice, Kentucky twice, Vanderbilt twice, LSU twice, Ole Miss twice. Um, so that seems bad because you have three NCAA tournament teams twice. Um, but their road slate isn't horrible. Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M. Um, and then the home games are Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, and Mississippi State. So, Eric, your reaction to kind of my reaction. How wrong am I? <laughs> well, the only, th- the only thing for me is that I-, I don't think I can fully gauge whether I think the schedule is hard or not until I see the dates of the games, just because I think that that was oh, just yeah. kind of, yeah, just because I think that was just one of the th- that's things. That's actually a really good point, by the way. Because that's what, <laughs> well, I-, I just think that's what made, that's what really made Florida's schedule last year just so brutal was just February. like the way, it- yeah, it was February and the way it was <laughs> arranged. So um, there's, there's a world that exists where when the schedule is like totally laid out with dates, that this is a much easier schedule, I think. Well, I shouldn't say much easier. That is an easier schedule. And there is a, you know, a universe that exists where this is harder. Um, so, but I just feel like I can't, which I know is a soft answer to, I, I to say, because I'm not no, really saying okay. yes or no, but, but I will say like, um, that's what I feel about the SEC where there's just so many good teams is that it's not even necessarily like you made some really good points about some of the home and aways and who, who they play twice um, outside of their normal kind of double rivals. But uh, I, I think it's, I think that it's, uh, it's just kind of the arrangement of like, yeah, Florida gets just like, murdered with a bunch of back-to-back-to-back um, really difficult um, games on teams that have shorter rest and Florida's on the road and, you know, put those things together like we saw in Florida or in February. And I think that that's, uh, that's kind of what makes the schedule um, either harder or easier. Yeah, the league say is, says that they don't do this, but I did think it was interesting that, you know, because Florida has those traditional teams that they're always going to play twice, which are Georgia, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. But I, I love that <laughs> – the league says that they don't do it, and then Florida plays LSU twice again this year. 
because the three games they played last year were so sensational. I'm sure that the league didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Florida is a brand in basketball. I mean, Greg Sankey said as much the day of the selection Sunday. Like, it's great to have Florida in because people nationally – want to watch Florida. And I know because Eric and I will spend a lot of time like picking on Florida's fan support sometimes. Right. Um, but nationally the program is, is respected. Uh, so I think, you know, Florida Ole Miss twice is interesting because it's an, it's a team that went to the NCAA tournament and obviously gets Bree and Tyree back. Um, the road slate is interesting. It will be kind of interesting to see where those games are on date wise, just because, um, I'm not really sure what Missouri is going to be next season, but I think South Carolina was a team that played pretty well down the stretch last year. And even with Silva gone, like there's an argument that that's that program is going to bounce back a little bit next year. And that could always be a tough game. Yeah. And they got AJ Lawson back, which uh, we'll see. He, <laughs> he, he had, some, he had some, you know, he's got some talent. He's got to put some things together, but, but yeah, and <laughs> obviously Florida is, had some trouble with South Carolina over the last few years. So I don't think we're quite, we'd ever be in a position to, uh, to say like, you know, there's a scheduled win or something for Florida, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously it's nice to see the, uh, it's nice to see that they did announce uh, who Florida would be playing and, and home and road. But I, I just wish I saw the, I wish I saw the schedule exactly just because we well, have to wait a, a little longer for that. The other thing we should probably bring up is the uh, return, the returning players. Xavier got some guys back that, um, kind of makes the Charleston Classic a little more interesting. Yeah, no, yeah, we didn't even talk non-conference yet, so that'll be the next. <laughs> that'll be the next. I want your rapid re- reaction to the non-conference because obviously, you know, a little more intrigue than. Well, it's actually funny. There's so much less intrigue than there used to be because so many of these matchups are are announced uh, in, in the past that it's not like you know you're not like shocked to see that they're playing UConn or shocked to see Butler or you know anything like that. But um, but yeah, the the Xavier one is certain is certainly interesting. And uh, the Charleston Classic field is uh, is kind of interesting as well. Um, uh, one of the under like something I was, was noticing is is Missouri State. Uh, I realized this a little while ago. Um, just kind of like quietly got the second best JUCO um, recruit in the country, and he's a, he's a player that I watched a bunch in my kind of like JUCO basketball watching, and they got him <laughs> as well. So even that's like a sneakily interesting team. But while so while there's not like the big time punch of the Charleston Classic, um, there's going to be a bunch of good games and. Neil, I know you can speak to the uh, to the quality of the city as a as a kind of a, a tourist and basketball watching destination. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's. I'm actually really excited for it. I might have said I'm more excited to go than than I was to be in the Bahamas. Um, but I'm I'm getting you know I'm getting fond of my November basketball excursions. Uh, so <laughs> so I think this is as good. It's as good a food city as there is in the South. Uh, save New Orleans. So I think that's kind of something that should be front and center for people that are thinking about going. And it's not far. It's really, it's isolated. So it takes an extra hour or so to get there. But the people that go to the South Carolina football game, you know, not only do you get to go to a city that's better than Columbia, but you'll get to see a lot of good basketball and most of it happening on the weekend. Um, Xavier, yeah, Xavier became like, Xavier was the biggest question mark at the tournament. Like it was a chance for either a quad a great win uh that's going to be a game that's just like a first or second round ncaa tournament game or it was going to be like don't lose this game travis Steele's such a good coach i i'm a huge fan of travis Steele. i think he's going to be an excellent head coach but getting they had four guys go 
test the draft. All four came back, including Quentin Gooden and Tyreek Jones, who I think are marvelous. Uh, so that's that's going to be really you know a game that a lot of people nationally will watch because it'll be a young Florida team versus kind of a Xavier team that that has what Billy Donovan used to call the battle scars. Yeah, no, that is going to be a really interesting one, and and I would say that is the best. The, you kind of could be the best uh, the best uh, opponent for Florida if they were to kind of match up with them, probably in the finals. Um, uh, one other thing about uh, about Charleston is, um, yeah, if anyone wants to go, we definitely need to watch the uh, Anthony Bourdain uh, Parts Unknown episode where he goes to Charleston and experiences Waffle House for the first time. Uh, just <laughs> one of the, I'm a big Anthony Bourdain fan, so I uh, would definitely recommend that episode. But uh, yeah, there's uh, I'm always it's always interesting too with the um, uh, the kind of like how it, the Charleston class kind of like starting at home with that Towson game. And, um, and then there's obviously the fact too, that, um, that Florida might end up playing uh Yukon twice in the same, uh, in the same week, I think actually because yeah, of the, same uh, week. because of the game in Yukon and then, uh, you know, potentially seeing, um, I, yeah, there's not a bracket out for Charleston. I don't believe so. Not yet. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you could kind of infer a little bit of what the, the, um, what the kind of rankings might be, but yeah, seeing, uh, seeing Yukon twice in the same week could be, uh, could be certainly interesting. And could get the Canes. Um, mm. for, for everybody that, you know, Jim Laranaga does his best to avoid Florida. Uh, he said as much to his credit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to play them unless it's on a neutral floor, because if I play them in Miami, it's a road game. So the one unknown for Florida is the orange bowl classic opponent. There's some rumblings that it could be South Florida, uh, nothing concrete or official on that. Uh, they try to get, you know, matchups that, and draw the most people they always invite florida and florida state um so if it's south florida for the gators boy that's another really big time opponent yeah south florida is gonna be a lot better um this season than, than last so um and and that's one thing about the schedule is um, about the non-conference schedule is uh, there's a lot of um like there's some cupcakes for sure and uh that that is one thing like um uh, like Towson was bad last year and I think might be worse this year. Um, Marshall, they lost, uh, you know, Elmore and, and a couple of their other seniors. So, so I think Marshall's not going to be particularly good. Long Beach state wasn't, wasn't great. So, and at the end they're losing guys. So I just think that, um, yeah, it'd be kind of nice if there was something like, uh, like a South Florida, like a, like a kind of better mid major that's, um, uh, will offer kind of like a sneakily good resume game, especially on a neutral floor. So, so I'd actually be really interested in South Florida. And uh, that'd be a good, that'd be, a, I think that actually could be, I know people, there's a lot of people that just want to see like, you know, power five, power five, something like that. But, um, but yeah, South Florida on neutral floor, that'd be a good one. I would like that a lot. So um, we're trying to transition from schedule and we'll get into that more this summer when we get official dates, like Eric said, for, for everything. But now we know, you know, who's returning and, and who's gone. So let me uh, let me put Eric on the spot and just say, you know, give me give me your top five teams in the SEC just right now based on the rosters as you know them. Can't make any Kerry Blackshear assumptions. <laughs> yes, I will. Uh, I will put whoever gets Gary Blackshear number one, um, whether it's but. Uh... Actually, that actually might not be a bad way to do it. <laughs> I, I actually do think if Florida, that's or fair. Kentucky no, I, gets gets Blackshear, I'll they'll allow be that. But anyway, I'll allow that. <laughs> so, um, but you know, and I'll and I'll treat like, um, uh, am I uh, not in order? I mean, I would put those two teams um, in the top five. Obviously, I do think Florida's in there, uh, in there well. Um, that's you know, it gets pretty interesting after that. I I, I uh, 
Um, I would say that I think that I, I might still put Auburn in there. It's despite their, their kind of losses. I still kind of like what they're bringing back. Um, I would go, Oh, there's part of me that wants to, uh, you know what? I'd still say Tennessee, even though I, I have kind of, uh, I talked about them, uh, what they've lost, but I, I still would go Tennessee. And then as the fifth team, I might go, you know what? I still might go LSU. And I know that they've had some big losses, but, uh, but yeah, they, they brought back some guys. I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting and Obviously they're still, uh, yeah, they're still able to, uh, to, to recruit a little bit. So um, very roughly I'll say those teams. Okay. So I'm going to go, I'm not going to do Rob Duster and, and, omit Florida from my SEC top five altogether um, <laughs> and his national top 25. Like, I guess he just doesn't think much of, of Florida's returning core. And like, I think that's weird, but I also really respect Rob's work. So it's kind of like, yeah. it's intriguing to me, like why he, he would think that. So I'm not going to drag Rob too much, um, but he's wrong. And I'm going <laughs> to say Kentucky uh, would certainly be my, my favorite. Uh, even with even if Florida gets black here, I, I will really like the makeup of this Kentucky team with Richardson Montgomery back. Um, I'll put Florida third or second, depending on if they get black here or if they don't. I'm going to put LSU second. I just love Skylar Mays. Uh, is such a good player. I think Emmett Williams could have a huge sophomore year. They add Trent and Watford. Um, they're going to miss Nas Reed a lot. Um, I'm not sure that they'll miss. I know it's kind of, it might be blasphemous. I'm not sure they miss Tremont waters as much. Um, so I think there's that, uh, the team that really intrigues me that the team I think will not be as good is Auburn. I do think because they're coached by Bruce Pearl, like they'll be super competitive, but you know, look, their, their starting five is probably Javon McCormick, Samir Dowdy, Isaac Okoru, who's a guy Eric's pretty high on. Anthony McLemore and who would you say Daniel Purifor, I guess probably that'd be, yeah, that'd be my, I mean, that's a pretty good starting five, but man, when they needed baskets, they went Jared Harper or Chuma Keke. Like when they, when it was like, okay, it's a close game. What do we do? Those were their solutions every single time. Like even with Bryce Brown, he was like option three. And I just think you can't lose that many superhero capes and be super. So I'm going to kick them out of the top five and say they finish like six, which is still a tournament team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go Kentucky, LSU, um, Florida, as constructed right now, I think is still third. And then I'll say Tennessee because, you know, I did like what they got back. Um, and I, I like what they're bringing in. I think Josiah James is marvelous. And then let's say, you know what, let's say Mississippi State with Reggie Perry back. Yeah, I really looked at Mississippi State, and I, I, I like the guys they're bringing back. And, and Reggie Perry was another guy who actually did really well at the. Um, he he showed out really well in workouts and at the at the G League Combine. So he's a guy that I think is uh, yeah he's primed for a big year, and uh, that's a team that um, that definitely could surprise some people because I don't think a lot of people would think um, hey this is like a top twenty five ish team or or top five in the SEC or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I do like what they're bringing back. That was a good note for you to to put them in there. Yeah, and, and they'll be back. Um, they'll be back next year uh, to the O'Connell Center, where they they you know so a chance for Florida to get I think what'll be a really good win um, in the O'Connell Center against them nationally. Man, I think uh, 
it's pretty interesting to like kind of look at the national picture and try to figure out who's going to beat Michigan State, isn't it? Yeah, I do think that they're looking pretty good. I mean, I, I still um I still wonder just a little bit of their of their roster kind of composition. I, I don't think it, it fits together like just perfectly quite yet, which makes me think they're they're gonna like drop a game or two in the non conference. It's gonna be like, oh, is Michigan State really that good? Uh but yeah, I do think that they're um they're gonna be really interesting. And then um it's uh it'll be like it'll be uh it'll be interesting to, as well to see like does a team like Texas Tech kind of still continue to uh, uh losing the guys that they did um how they'll kind of be able to to kind of keep going um I probably wouldn't put them in my top five but just looking at the teams that were really good last year um I still think Gonzaga is going to be really really good um getting Killian Tilly back and if Killian Tilly is is uh is totally healthy which um he just was not this year uh he could be a very very important player and he could be one of the best players in the country I think I'm just a Really, really big fan of Killian Tilly. So, yeah, but it, I do find it pretty difficult to uh, uh, to predict like a top five uh, right about now. Um, partially because, yeah, partially hard. because I, I do think it's really tough to um, um, to project uh, kind of like five star talent and how it relates instantly versus uh, returners. Like, um, I would say, like going back to what you said about um, about um, Rob Doster and Florida's returning talent, and I think that Doster kind of. Um, banked a little bit more on kind of looking at his rankings. I think he banked a lot more on recruiting than he did returning talent. Um, I would suggest that again, recent college basketball history has kind of suggested that banking on returning talent is a lot more accurate than, than recruiting talent. Um, but, uh, for, but for that reason, yeah. Um, I, I do think Michigan state would be, uh, would be my number one right now. Well, and you know, and, and to, to, in fairness to, to Douster, Gary Parrish at CBS also didn't put Florida in his top 25. So Really, only like only Seth Davis is kind of out on a limb for the Gators right now, um, and Myron Metcalf. Uh, but but so kind of a smaller sampling of the national writers. One team I really like is Gonzaga. Um, I think with Corey Kispert and Killian Tilly back, um, the, the, you know they're going to have a, a chance to be uh, pretty pretty tremendous. And then Admon Gilder from the transfer market kind of makes the roster complete again. Um, so they're a team that I would kind of stick in the national top five with the Michigan States and and the Kentuckys and the usual suspects. Yeah, and I'm still just looking at the uh, – I'm looking at Ken Palm right now, and I'm looking at teams that are ahead of Florida. And Sorry, I'm, 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 still, uh, I'm, I'm getting mad about people's uh, leaving – omission of Florida. But, I mean, if you look at, um, if you look at Florida, um, they're 20, they ended 26th in Ken Palm. If you look at a lot of the teams ahead of them and you say, like, who's, who's got the better returning talent – um, I don't think a lot of people would, would, would argue with you if you said Florida's returning talent would be like um, a better than at least 10 or 15 of these teams that are ahead of them in Ken Palm. And I mean, a lot of them are very obvious with teams just with like four seniors that left or, or something like that. And then you look at Florida's recruiting class and you say like, well, obviously Florida's got like, you know, top 10 recruiting class. Um, so if you say like, hey, this team's probably top 15-ish in returning talent and, um, you know, has a top 10 recruiting class, I just don't really understand where in that equation – keeping them out of the top 25 um, works. But uh, anyways, I, I don't, I, I shouldn't put as much stock into it because it really is difficult right now to make it a top 25. And I'm sure if I no. were to make one, um, there'd be some errors for sure. Because it, and, and, because and yeah. you, you really have to do so much research into every single team um, to really look at their makeup and how their rotations would work um, to really get an accurate one. Um, no one is doing that. And I understand that. I'm not saying that Kerry Parrish should do that because he, he shouldn't. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, look, it's tough. That said, I think if you're, because, because, see, you brought up a good point about how people use recruiting as their like 
way of projecting Kentucky to be awesome all the time, right? Like, oh, well, they've got the number one class coming in, so they're going to be incredible. Or LSU gets this huge bump because Trenton Wadford's coming in, even though, you know, like basically the runner-up for SEC Player of the Year is gone. And the guy that also was first-team All-SEC is gone. So they lost two All-SEC players, right? Um, and But Trenton Watford's coming in, and they got all these guys back at the last minute, so naturally they're going to be incredible. To me, if you didn't rank Florida in your preseason top 25 at least, you didn't watch Florida play very much. You're just saying, oh, Florida lost four seniors, and so that's really bad. Like, in Eric's written these articles, like, one of those four seniors was really important to win. Yeah, like, yeah, like I would say, I would say, obviously one was was really good, and and Kayvon Allen was a, was a solid, you know, starter level SEC player for sure. Um, I mean, but once again, you look at all these teams kind of surrounding Florida, and just like in Ken Palm, you look ahead, like, yeah, they, I don't think if if you really lined it up and and, and saw. I think if people looked at returning talent, um, yeah, there'd be a whole lot of like, oh yeah, Florida's returning talent is 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 easily better, and and behind Florida as well. Um, there's not like a bunch of teams that have like a ton more returning talent. Um, also, one thing that I just noticed that's interesting um, after uh, the way things ended, uh, Florida was 26 in Ken Palm, and Nevada was 27th, so they bumped uh, they bumped them behind, just which I love. <laughs> but but yeah, uh, I, I'm still pretty regardless of what uh, you know, Florida. It looks like Florida might is going to start um, outside of the uh, 25 and the top 25 in the AP pool. Um, I'm not too concerned about them getting there. I'm confident enough with what, uh, with what I think they have that I think that they'll get there fairly quickly and will stay there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty interesting to me and I, I hope that, you know, I hope it bothers the, the guys. Um, like we talked about the Florida freshmen seem to have a little bit of an edge to them, quite honestly. Um, that had been lacking in the program for a couple years, particularly, you know, we've talked about Nimar's leadership. We've talked uh, a lot about Keontae kind of being a dog. And, and then, you know, the, we haven't talked a lot about Noah Locke, a presumed incumbent starter who played basically through excruciating pain for two months. That's how tough that guy is. So I think if you're a Gator fan, you have to be really happy with the way a deadline day went. And obviously it could get better this summer. Yeah, going back to just um, if they were to start on the outside of the top 25 in the AP pool, um, I, I mean, start like North Florida, Florida State, Towson, UConn, the first four games. I mean, if you if you beat Florida State, that is probably enough to get you in um, just because of, you know, when the sample size is so small after that week one, you a win over Florida State would be one of the, you know, a solid win. Um, but I mean, yeah, if you beat Florida State and, and, and then UConn, which I do think are two games that they could certainly get, um, Florida State will be difficult for sure, as, as we've seen. But uh, but yeah, I think that, that would be. But yeah, but I mean, I think that they're um, they'd be in the tournament, or sorry, in the top twenty-five, and then you go to the Charleston Classic tournaments, and um, there's not a lot of like great win opportunity, or there's not like you know major major win opportunities. But there's also like there's a chance Florida can can win that one without taking a without taking a, a loss. And I mean, then you got Marshall and Butler, some winnable games. I, th- I mean, I just think Florida can get into the AP poll early. Um, and then I think that they'll just keep winning games and uh, kind of keep crawling up. That's kind of my expectation. So we will uh, we'll be back. We're going to have some special guests and stuff this summer. Um, we'll obviously keep the, uh, the Blackshear updates rolling. Thanks for our listener question. The, the way to do those voice recordings will be in an advertisement um, that you've probably already heard since <laughs> we're listening to this after we record it. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can send us those or you can just do it traditionally on Twitter. 
we'll probably do another listener question bonanza after the black share decision. Um, and thanks again for, for listening as a side note, I wanted Eric on, well, I sign off because I, you know, I wanted to say that we are at 30,000 listens. Um, and our first show was in October. So it's, it's kind of like a little bit, I mean, that's really cool. So thank you for, for supporting us. And, um, it's a little overwhelming that that many people have found what we have to say valuable, but, uh, Thank you. Yeah, it honestly means the world that uh, the people want to uh, listen to listen to us talk Florida basketball, and, uh, and I think it's also crazy that uh, yeah we're in late May, and I think we just recorded a podcast that's uh, that's comfortably over an hour long, just exclusive about Florida basketball. So <laughs> if you listen this long, um, it's just great to know that uh, yeah that you're uh, you're that much into Florida basketball, and uh, I always love the interactions on on Twitter stuff like that. I always love the questions. Thank you so much. <laughs>